I now invite us to receive our holy word this day, and I realize that I seated you too soon. So I apologize, I'm gonna have you stand up once more as we share our word of God this day. It comes to us from James chapter three. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are they cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. This is the word of God for the people of God. You can be seated again. And as you are, I invite you to turn with me to God in an attitude of prayer. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want you to take a moment and think about the first prayer that you remember praying. For many of us, it was a prayer that we may have prayed as children. For others of us, our prayers may not have come until youth or adulthood. But I want us to consider, as we consider the power of prayer, in our lives and the life of the church and God's world, those prayers offered by children. Here are some that I have come across over the years that I find particularly poignant. One child said, Dear God, my mom tells me that you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. <laughs> Dear God, please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I do better at school. <laughs> Dear God, please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll and please don't tell her where it is. <laughs> Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat and I really don't wanna make my mom move out. Dear God, can you get me a smartphone? I think Santa forgot. <laughs> Dear God, when my sister stop, when will my sister stop being annoying? I'm down to my last patience. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but I really wanted a puppy. <laughs> Dear God, please take care of my daddy, my mommy, my sister, my brother, my doggy, and me. Oh, and please take care of yourself, God, because if anything happens to you, we're gonna be in a mess. Dear God, I hope my dog is with you in heaven. Please take care of him. Sorry if he chews your sandals. While these prayers can cause us to laugh and give us joy, they are also incredibly powerful and poignant because they are so real and so raw. As children, we seem sometimes to just know how to pray 
in a way that as adults, we might lose our confidence in prayer. We, as adults, as we grow up, we are filled with questions. We wonder if prayer is worth it. We wonder and question how prayer actually works. We may be led to think that our prayers aren't good enough, or we worry that we aren't worthy enough for our prayers to matter or to make a difference or for God to receive them. Maybe this is simply a matter of critical thinking, of our experiences that, in life that cause us to question, that cause us to doubt and to wonder. Maybe there are messages that we pick up along the way when preachers pray fancy prayers with pretty words and we think that our words aren't good enough. Or maybe we are directly told that our prayers don't make a difference because we aren't good enough. I have a friend who's a counselor in a local school and one of her students came to her one day distraught. This particular student had been through more in her 14 years of life than anyone should ever have to go through. Her mother died of a drug overdose. Her father was in prison. Her aunt, who had taken her in, had also passed away. And her sister, an adult who was supposed to take her in, didn't want her. And so she landed in foster home and foster home, again and again, being shipped off from person to person, receiving this message that she was not wanted. And somehow this little girl ended up in a youth group, a youth group where she went to the youth pastor and asked with tears in her eyes why it was that her prayers for love had never been answered. To which the youth pastor responded that perhaps she just didn't pray hard enough. I officiated a funeral for a young mom who died of cancer. And at the funeral, there was another congregant going through cancer treatments himself. He came up to me, tears in his eyes, and asked why it was that she had died and he hadn't. That why all of the prayers for her had not worked. He said, I prayed that I should die instead of her. Why didn't God hear that prayer? The scripture passage from James is one that can bring a lot of baggage with it. Because of questions that we have and because of messages that we may have received. It is an encouragement to pray in all circumstances just as Paul invites readers and hearers in his churches to do. James invites those who are suffering, those who are celebrating, those who are sick, those who are broken, everyone, pray, he says. And the prayer of the faithful will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. 
beautiful words, challenging words. Because here's where some of that prayer baggage comes in. Is James saying that God will only hear our prayers if we're worthy? That we have to pray well so that God will heal us? That our sin is the cause of our struggles? No. James, you see, is not just talking to us as individuals, but rather he is talking to the church, to the people of God, a group of people for whom James is not only interested in the words that they proclaim from their lips, but also in the actions that they live out in their lives. This is the same James who said, quite to the frustration of Martin Luther and other Protestant reformers, that faith without works is dead. Prayer should happen in all circumstances, not because prayer works like a wish to Santa Claus, or because if we are good enough, we get our wishes. Prayer should happen in all circumstances because through prayer, we who pray are changed as individuals and as the people of God. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, named prayer as one of the means of grace, one of the ways by which God's grace is transmitted to us, one of the ways in which God's grace transforms us. Through prayer, God transforms us, hearts, minds, souls, spirits. Prayer changes us. That is its power. A friend of mine who is an Episcopal priest spoke once about what a difference it makes in her own soul that part of the Episcopal Church's liturgy includes a naming by first name of church and world leaders. She said it was how, it was amazing how remembering and naming by first name, given name, personal name, the name of her bishop, of the mayor, of the governor, of the president, and praying for them by that first name changed her heart. In praying for them by name, they were no longer that idiot who think, you know, who needs to do what I think is right. But rather, they were a person whom God loves dearly. And if their ideologies or theologies or actions weren't how I believe they should be, she said, maybe calling them other names isn't the answer. <laughs> Prayer changed her heart. Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies. Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies. 
And I don't think that it's simply because through our prayer, they'll see how they hurt us. Maybe they will. There is always the possibility that hearts are indeed changed. But also when we pray for our enemies, our hearts are changed. Forgiveness and healing from anger and resentment can come to us regardless of the other person. Prayer is a catalyst for healing and for salvation. Prayer is powerful and effective, just as James says. But not necessarily because if we do it right, the cancer will go away, or the politician will do what we want, but because through prayer, we can find inner healing. We can find resilience and strength to face whatever lies ahead, and we can be drawn to action to help bring about God's will and purpose for our lives, the lives of our family and our community, our church, and our world. Today we are beginning a sermon series, The Promises We Make. And over the next five weeks, we are going to be examining one of the vows, the promises, that we make when we become an official part of the United Methodist Church through membership. We ask those who are uniting with our church to support it by their prayers, their presence, their gifts, their service, and their witness. We make a vow, a promise, to support the ministries of the church and the people of the church, for the church is the people, through prayer. And in a culture of consumerism, when the church can just be another thing we do, like a country club or a concert, to say that we, as members of this body, as members of this group of people, that we are part of ensuring that God's work is done through the church, is a really big deal. Through prayer, and the actions that stem from prayer, we are a part of ensuring that God's work is done through the church. Prayer is the first on that list of membership vows, the first of the promises that we make, because the lives that we live out, the other promises that we make, stem from prayer. Through prayer, we are changed. Through prayer, God transforms our hearts and minds and souls. And through prayer, God leads us to action. God leads us to make a difference in this church that is God's, but over which we have stewardship. And oh, Oh, how it makes 
a difference. As we pray for people who are sick, you see, we find it within ourselves, the power to help the sick, to be those that are next to them in the hospital room or to bring those that bring food and offer care and comfort. Through prayer for those that are hungry, we find it in ourselves, a heart to help the hungry, to support ministries like our food pantry, to serve meals for those in need. As we offer prayers for justice, we are empowered to participate in advocating for policies and systems that lift up those who are marginalized and oppressed that God calls us to love and that God loves. Through prayer for our church, God empowers us to be part of making this the church that we long for it to be. A church of comfort and hope. A church that is hospitable to all people. A church that makes a difference in the lives of its members and in the life of God's world. Prayer changes us. God transforms us through prayer. In the wake of a disaster or tragedy, the offering up of thoughts and prayers rub people, some people, the wrong way. Often it is because these thoughts and prayers might be posted on social media or offered up in a way that isn't followed up by action. James was a firm believer that faith must involve a life lived and not just words offered. And the power of prayer calls us to this. It calls us to transformation. It calls us to be changed by the grace of God that we receive, not because our words are so great or good, but because God is always gracious and good. And God transforms us in that grace to be a part of healing and wholeness and hope that God sings, seeks to bring to a broken world. That's why we don't need the perfect words or language in our prayers. It's why we don't need to be the perfect people when we pray. God's grace does the rest. God's grace fills in the gap. God's grace transforms us. And as we consider the promises that we make. Our promise to pray is not a promise for perfection. If we're promising that, we're not going to succeed. It is a promise instead to lift our voices like those children do so confidently to God to offer honestly and fervently our hearts to God and to thus receive the grace and the power that God has for us. 
Prayer is powerful and effective to change us, to transform us, so that we, with the grace of God, can indeed transform God's world. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we come to you in prayer today, many of us come with doubts, with fears, with anxieties. We come not knowing perhaps what to say or how to say it, or if the words or the yearnings or the hopes and dreams that we lift before you will be received. And so God, I pray that today each and every one of us here may find within us the power to pray and the power to, through that prayer, receive your grace, leading us to hope, leading us to healing, leading us to life. It is in the name of your Son and through the power of your Spirit that we pray these things. Amen.